Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Heidi Bolliard is here with me tonight. Heidi, I appreciate you being here. And we're going to be covering quite a bit of stuff associated with how to look at real estate from an architecture's point of view. I've been looking forward to this, Heidi. We're going to dive quite a bit into this. But before we get into it, I want to point everybody to your website because you're offering a free download there. So go to soldbydesign.net. That's soldbydesign.net. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes as always. So you can always head over to reimastermind.net for that. But Heidi, thanks for joining me here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's pretty impressive. You got quite a few degrees from Ball State University, <laughs> and there's a lot of background associated with this. But I'm always interested in how you found your way to this particular niche to help real estate investors and realtors find this additional value. So as an architect, I had a client that was a, that's a real estate agent and she had me do some work to her home. And then there was a couple of clients that she was working with and they were looking at older neighborhoods and they knew that any house that they picked in the neighborhoods that they were looking at would need a lot of work. So a lot of early 20th century homes. So really, yeah, mature neighborhoods. And they were from out of state. And so she's, hey, they're coming in. They have one day to see everything, figure out where they can go from the three houses that we've narrowed it down to and see what we can do with renovating them. So walking through each of the homes with them and talking to them about the opportunities that were there or just issues that were just too much to probably make the home really work for them and their family. So we're going to take it by a couple different approaches here, just based on what you just said there. First of all, we talked about initially finding some additional opportunity that might be available to people past what is currently there, but those architectural issues that some investors may miss. So let's start off with what people could possibly miss, or what are some of those things that you've learned now over time that they should probably look out for? that could cause some problems? Like a lot of things are just structural issues, like being able to go in and look at a structure and see, look at where the cracks are at, just like walk through an entire space, look around windows, look in the corners of the ceiling. If there's a basement going down there, looking at the walls, just looking at structural things like that, looking for opportunities where, or where the bearing walls are at, opportunities to open up spaces so that can improve the flow of it. My realtor laughs at me because I guess I'm one of the few guys that when I go look at a place with him, my first question is, where's the basement? I go into the basement first and work my way up instead of, I guess, what normal people do. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, and then I, I get, get the opportunity. Floor, you know, floor and then the basement, but it just depends. Oh, sure. It's depends if I'm with the client or not. Because otherwise, yeah, I'd go down to the basement after I've seen the first floor to look at structural. Well, he's a taller guy as well, so it gives me a 50-50 chance he's going to crack his head on on something oh. when we walk down the basement. Yeah, so. it'll get him, and then 
before it has the chance to get you. I'm quite a bit shorter, so it typically doesn't affect me. So I lead the way and then he falls. I don't know. I've been in some basements that I've knocked my head on. So (laughs) going on the stairs and it being too tight. So you said you start on the main floor first. What are you particularly interested in there? Just seeing the existing spaces, seeing where plumbing fixtures are at, where things are more expensive to move. If somebody's looking to flip a property, like how can we as efficiently as possible move or rework spaces? So what are you trying to look for? Are there certain things or elements that you that are of high value that you've learned that you're trying to maybe try to position within the... I think the one thing with that too is looking at what spaces are too big. We go into a lot of older homes and they have these massive living rooms. And then also then the rest of the spaces in the home are much too small. So it's looking at the spaces that are in the home so that we can rework things so that it functions better and it flows better. And then just looking at spaces too, because just because it's a formal dining room now doesn't mean it needs to remain a formal dining room. You mentioned buying those load-bearing walls and a few other things. Do you find that it's beneficial for somebody to come in with somebody like you that would have an idea of these items, or can they be trained pretty quickly to identify like what a load-bearing wall is and a few of these other? Yeah. The goal with creating the sold-by-design company was to train real estate agents or even, yeah, your viewers that are looking at single family homes, how they themselves could go through a property. And we teach how to locate bearing walls and cracks to look for in the home. And then also design skills as well, just to our best practices. I've been in the industry for 21 years now, which is really hard to quit. But looking at different things that we've done to homes over those years to really improve how the home functions with minimal like additions to a home or even just working within that existing footprint of a home, which reduces the cost of renovating or adding on. We've been taught, told from the very beginning that the biggest impact or the return on investment is kitchens and bathrooms. Would you say that's still the case? It is. Yeah. I know a lot of people too, though, have been really looking at outdoor living spaces. So In the Midwest, of course, you can only use those so much through the year, but it's, yeah, people have really started to love their outdoor living spaces to expand the size of their home. You say outdoor living spaces, but it is that exterior curb appeal that really will get people out of the car and actually in the house. We've really learned that lesson quite a few times. It's weird to watch because you'll have people drive up and then just leave because they don't want to even get out of the car, but you spend all this time on the inside of the house and you neglect that exterior curb appeal. Right. Absolutely. So the, so that outside living area, are they pergolos? Are they just making yeah. decent pergola, deck? What, like, what does that look some like? Some people are like putting in small little pool houses. So especially if they don't have a basement, they're putting in a space like a pool house so that they can basic, almost have a second, like a bonus room space, like a space that even their kids can go and hang out with their friends. Sure. But then a lot of fire pits or outdoor fireplaces. We've seen everybody's putting in a pool these days. Spaces that are part of that 
outdoor living area. You mentioned a couple times buying certain cracks, whether it's on in the foundation or in the ceiling in spots. What are some of those red flag cracks that you're referring to there? Around windows where you see cracks come up from the corners or even in the, the ceiling, any cracks that are coming down. Sometimes it's in the middle of a wall on an interior wall. If you're seeing some cracking in the ceiling in like the middle of a long interior wall, that's something to be, yeah. What is that typically a sign of? The foundation is shifting? If it's in the middle of a wall of an interior wall, that means that whatever's above it is settling, which is the bearing below it is not supporting it. Okay. So. And then in the basement, are there particular cracks that you're looking for or you'd want to avoid? Concrete block walls, sometimes you see it a lot in corners just because oftentimes the gutters haven't been cleaned, so they're not draining properly or downspouts are not draining properly. You'll see actually like those, you can just follow the block all the way down and it's cracked all the way down and sometimes it's falling into the space a little bit. My part of the world, this it's pretty common to have cracked walls in the basements and then we do a lot of bracing and stuff around here. So those horizontal cracks are typically something we can usually deal with and it's those vertical cracks that are like man that's digging out foundation and yeah (laughs) there's a big project you can see it bowing like a long wall bowing into the space that's yeah never gets i went to a house not this was a couple years ago but the crack the horizontal crack was so big i could put my fist in it like it was oh it was pretty bad (laughs) that was a house you were a property you were walking through yeah, I was walking through. We walked into the basement. I saw that and I said, well, this is, that's enough of this. <laughs> I was say, how much longer did you stay enough to pull that? That's one of the reasons I start in the basement. You start from the basement. Makes sense. Work saves way time. Saves some time. So because we still have some houses with fuses too. So it's fuse panel versus. Yeah. Fuse. So that's, a, that's sometimes a big ticket item if we have to go down. Oh, yeah, down. right here too. And once you renovate too much, you're required to completely re- replace it all. Exactly. That's the same situation here. With all of that, when you were, we were talking about some of the best investments is the kitchen and the bathroom. What are some of those things that you've discovered that uh, people may just miss? Maybe it's just gotten cliche now. We go automatically to the white cabinets and just throw them in. Real estate investors aren't exactly on the cusp of any kind of trend. (laughs) That might be in the marketplace right now. Decisions interior designers make. A lot of interior (laughs) designers are putting in like colored cabinets now, which is pretty cool. I've seen some amazing kitchens with colored cabinets. But I see still a ton of white cabinets. I see people doing like entire white spaces, white walls, white cabinets, oh, really white countertop. And like, to me, that's, it's a little sterile for me, but. Yeah. Is the open kitchen concept we talked about removing walls? Yeah. So. I, it is, but what I see a lot of people doing is putting in really big pantries. So they're putting in pantries that have a, a countertop in them, sometimes even a sink or a refrigerator, sometimes a second oven, but then also space in there to put all their appliances, like put their blender and their toaster and their can opener and all of those things to keep their kitchen counters clean. So it's almost, it's basically like their messy kitchen. So they have that area that has everything to prep in, and then they have their nice kitchen for entertaining. That's interesting. So you're probably talking or working with a lot more higher end houses that would have something like that going on. We are. 
Yeah. But often too, like even smaller homes, like we renovated a condo not so long ago and it had back to back like three foot wide closets in the one closet like right next to the kitchen. So even with that, and we were just like, what if we made it a pantry? Because the kitchen wasn't that large in the condo. So we'd even put like a counter space in there and they put in their all air fryer convection oven toaster machine and then they put their blender in there so just to still keep some of that out of the kitchen Mm -hmm. and then just having a really organized space with labeled bins and shelves so that it's yeah a really functional space even though it's only a three foot wide pantry so you you can do a lot of things you just start to think outside of the box of opportunities and possibilities. Just to remind everybody, go to soldbydesign.net for that free download and some additional information on Heidi and her team. But Heidi, I would imagine one of the things that struck me here is that based on some of the things that you're talking about, when we are investors, we go look at a property, whether it's off of the MLS or directly from the seller, sometimes our numbers, we can't get to to what the seller is looking for out of it. But based on what you're talking about with additions, removing walls, changing out the flow, I would guess that there's a way to maybe justify some of those higher numbers. And because you're essentially creating some additional margin, do you have, do you show people how to run those calculations? Not run the calculations, but just help them think through spaces. I've worked on a lot of homes where people thought they were going to add a bunch of space to the home. This doesn't function. We need to add this and we need to add a mud room and a half bathroom and like a family room and like all of the space. But as we walked through the house, it was just like, what if we use this massive dining room to use portion of that for like mud room and a half bathroom. And then really on that home, the only thing that they added was a front porch and a, and a back porch off that new mud room. So mm. just, yeah, thinking a little bit differently of really what the needs are for the project, like what they're looking to accomplish with that home that they're purchasing or looking to flip or looking to have as an investment property, like really finding what they want that home to be and maybe the renovations that they need to do to that home are a lot less than that they have in mind. When you're making these type of decisions, are you looking at like the comparables in the neighborhood, what's going on in the city, national trends? What information are you'd advise people to use to, to make these type of decisions when it comes to some of these changes that you're referring to are quite large. They are. And so it's just, it just depends on what you're, yeah, you're looking to do to the home. So we don't get into numbers and things like that with our clients or architecture clients, but the areas that they're looking at, I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio. Sure. Yeah. The neighborhoods that we work in, the property values are constantly rising. We're in a fortunate location to do. I'm just curious, in your part of the world, typically train realtors. Are, Are they houses that are about to go on the market? Does the realtor engage you or you you train the realtors to spot these things and make these suggestions? Are the sellers willing to make these type of updates or? Yeah, that's normally if a real estate agent brings me in to walk through properties with their clients, their clients are already looking to make updates to a home with the program sold by design. That's teaching real estate agents how they can help their clients walk into a home and really see how it would align with their lifestyle. So I teach them based 
the process that I use for renovating a home or an addition or a custom home, that entire pre-process of meeting with the client, finding out their goals and their needs and their dreams so that when they're, re- when they're looking for a home for their client, they really understand the client so that they can find that perfect dream home for them. And so, you're essentially saying, let's take this home and make it the dream home they're looking right. for. And a lot of homes could really be somebody's dream home if a few things were shifted. But often a lot of people, they'll walk into a space and if it's currently being used as a dining room, they oftentimes struggle with looking at that space of what it could be. So if you better know that they're looking for two offices and they're not looking for formal spaces, they're looking for more open spaces within a home, then that gives you the opportunity to walk a real estate agent to walk in and look at those spaces and see where could the two office spaces be, even though they're not being used as office spaces now. And then also looking at what teaching where bearing walls are located at, looking and seeing is this home potentially able to open up some walls pretty efficiently and so that it could have improve the flow of the space. So hmm. do you find that you, the realtors that are on your program then are they having some success training the buyers in this regard? Because I just mentioned earlier that we have people who sometimes won't even get out of the car. Yeah. Let alone Little, you know, just based on the exterior appearance. So to get beyond that and to envision what it could be a challenge, I'd imagine. Yeah. The one thing I teach my real estate agents, I was like, you have to go to their home. You have to be in their space. You need to walk through it. You need to see what they like about it, what they don't like about it, what works, what doesn't work. Just because then too, their clients thinking in a different mindset because their clients now thinking what, like, this, this real estate agents just asked me so many more questions than the normal surface level questions that a real estate agent asks me. So really, you know, that the client feels heard and then they just, they feel like the real estate agent ha- brings a lot more value to them. So they trust the real estate agent. So if they are going to home, they're going to walk through it because they know that the real estate agent's looking for opportunities for them to make that, for that home to be their dream home. Yeah, I'd imagine that this really changes the workflow when it comes to certain real estate agents then, because for investors, for that matter, because you're then showing only those properties that you think could be that potential fit based on changes likely to the property versus I find a lot of realtors and investors, it's more of a shotgun effect. We're just taking you from one house to the next yeah, and you blow a whole day just looking at house after house. Yeah. So it's really finding those the opportunities that are there that align best with their goals. But yeah, if you take that hour, like walking through the client's existing home and really seeing what's going to work, like what they're looking for in a new home, why they're moving from the home that they're in, like you're not going to blow an entire day going house to house. Like you're going to f- know exactly what they're looking for on a much deeper level. So you can select those homes that really are going to align with what they're looking for and walk them through them, those homes. So it's really, it also saves the real estate agents I work with, it saves them a lot of time and it saves them a lot of money. If they were walk into a home with their client and they get to the basement and they're like, the home's 30 years old, the furnace has never been replaced, the water heater's never been replaced. 
The AC condenser's never been replaced. Windows have never been replaced. That's really big ticket items if you're going to have to replace all of those things within a home. Instead of having the client being like, well, I want you to put together an offer for this home, being like, just so you know, all of these replacement costs are going to come up soon. And I'm sure the inspector is going to bring them up as well. And then you're going to have paid several hundred dollars for an inspector, but you still need to have an inspector. I'm not saying that my program like eliminate your need, your client's need to have an inspector come and walk through the home. Mm -hmm. You know, it gives you more knowledge so that when you're walking through a space with your client, like you could help them make a better informed decision about if they want to put an offer in on a home. It's funny you bring up an inspector because we actually, before we start a fix and flip or times and not now, we send in an inspector before we begin the work. Yeah. And then we use that to build the list of what we're going to tackle just so that we have an idea as to what the inspector might see that in We've had a lot of experience, but we just don't assume that we're going to catch everything. Yeah. No, that's very wise. And it's such a minimal cost. I'm not, I'm surprised that more people don't actually do it, but. Yeah. When I know with the recent market, like people haven't been doing inspections just because they're waving. And I know at least in the, our area of Ohio, they're waving inspections just because if they don't, they're going to lose out on the house, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Our market has slowed way down. Like houses are staying on the market a lot longer. People are taking their time. And frankly, there's a generation of first time home buyers who aren't used to these interest rates and they're actually yeah. still not that bad, but really not. <laughs> they're not that bad. <laughs> but yeah, if they don't have that experience, it's a new world for them. It is. It is. Where'd the 2% go? Yeah, exactly. We're the t- as long as we're not to the 15%, we're good. So outside of what we've talked about here, are is there any like low-hanging fruit of changes, architectural changes that could be had in a property to make huge returns or benefit? I think the one thing is it's just looking for flow within a property. Like is it's the storage space. I know a lot of people wants their storage space to so find creating that really efficient storage space like even if you're flipping a property finding even if it's a door walking into the family room but it's like the main door like off the garage or something like that creating like a mud room type space like even if it's just some hooks on the wall and a and a bench that you can that has a couple cubbies underneath it just so you can create some storage just so you, when you're walking in the door to keep some things organized. Yeah, that's but a good idea. Just, I talk a lot about how clutter creates chaos. So finding ways to just use the space, create organized storage and things like that it just makes a home flow. I hate to tie this to, the, to this, but it, it actually is the case for us. When we are wholesaling a property, we will typically at least send a cleaning crew through it and get all of the junk out, get it as clean as it can be before we open it up to other investors to take a look at. And then because that, like you said, that clutter, it does yeah. create chaos. And mind can't focus. You're just looking at all of the tra- trash or stuff everywhere. It depends how much your cleaners having to clean out of there. <laughs> but <laughs> I've been in some spaces with lots of stuff but yeah well with hoarders it's it is a thing and you know what can be worked with it completely 
it changes their vision of the space. Heidi, this has been a great conversation. I forgot to warn you that I do this, but at the end of the conversation, I usually have some rapid fire questions if you wanted to give them a try. Okay. Okay. Let's go. (laughs) So in your case, you can alter this question. I usually ask if there's a real estate investing myth you'd like to bust, but I'd guess that there is like maybe an architect myth you'd like to bust or just a business myth you'd like to bust. I bring it up because as investors, we're really used to seeing those late night programs, infomercials saying it's a rich, get rich quick. Yeah. It's not a get rich quick thing. Yeah. I had something that I just lost it. Yeah. I'm not sure. No, that's okay. Yeah. The only thing that comes to mind is I hear all the time. Oh, I want to be an architect one day or when I'm younger. (laughs) All the time. I wouldn't be surprised. Did you get that more during Seinfeld? George Costanza wanted to be, he kept pretending he was an architect. I often have people call me George Costanza and I'm like, (laughs) Vandalay Industries. (laughs) Yes. So, So what you're not allowed to say rich dad, poor dad. I'm just tired of hearing it. Although it's a great book, but is there a book? that you're reading right now or one that you would recommend? Oh, a great book that I'd recommend is Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. Okay. Okay, cool. What was the biggest biggest business mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Biggest? I think the biggest thing is it's not growing as quickly as I could. Like not trusting myself to grow the company as quickly as I should have grown it. Like the architecture firm. So I've had my firm for 14 years. That's a pretty consistent response. I hear that quite a bit is that they feel most people feel that they can, they could have moved faster. Yeah. What do you think caused the slow progress there? Was it analysis paralysis, being unsure? Yeah, I think part of it's analysis paralysis. It's architecture firms and construction sees the ebb and flow flow of the economy. So just with that, I was going to hire more and then COVID hit and then just right. yeah, things like that. And now it's just, we still, do we hire more or do we wait? But yeah. we're also in Columbus, Ohio. We just got that huge Intel project. So oh, sure. we don't see any slowing down here. Yeah. it's It always surprises people when I tell them I'm near Fargo, North Dakota, and you probably heard it in my accent again, but we've, we keep getting all of these big developments as well. Soft has a big campus here. Yeah, Amazon just built a huge facility here you know it just keeps compounding so it's drawing Mm -hmm. in more and more people yeah we're getting a new amazon facility here too i heard i didn't realize that if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that be don't worry what other people think about you just focus on what you are doing and what your goals are and keep moving forward boy that that's a great piece of advice it's really easier said than done isn't it yeah. yeah. But I think too, with being in an investing, it's like oftentimes I know people are like, why do you run a business? Like, why don't you work for somebody else? It's the same thing with investments and things like that too. It's like, why do you do this? They don't really understand what we do is working for ourselves and building. You know, those people that are in those type of jobs too, and who are saying those type of things, to be frank, they're not as secure as they think they are. No. And that's like <laughs> Just block them out and keep focusing on what we're doing. Heidi, just one last time, soldbydesign.net. Take advantage of the free download there. But Heidi, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? 
I don't think so. I think that we did a great job of going over everything. You asked amazing questions. I appreciate you being on and I hope you'll consider coming back again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.